Welcome to the Cyber Guy Podcast, your source for engaging cyber education, cyber discussions, and a look at current cyber news and trends with retired FBI Special Agent Darren Mott. Hello, friends. Welcome to this episode of the Cyber Guy Podcast. It is the week of January 18th or so, somewhere in that range. I am your host, retired FBI Supervisory Special Agent Darren Mott. This episode, no interviews. We are going to just be you and me talking for this particular round. I'm working on getting some interviews for some upcoming podcasts, but uh, for right now, I just want to have a couple things to talk about. This will be kind of a short, short episode, so not a lot of time invested on your part. I know I said that I would be doing uh, live streams on this, and I do plan to do that. Just this kind of got away from me for this week. So I'm just doing the audio version. Trust me, I have a face for radio. You're not really missing much on that perspective. Um, for my other, I, I do want to do a plug for my other podcast, the Get Cyber Smart podcast. I am in the middle of a series on protecting seniors online. Those episodes are anywhere from seven to 14 minutes long. Uh, this week I did the how the bad guys are targeting seniors with talking about the different scams and I actually have a uh, private investigator kind of guy coming up to help me out in a couple um, weeks. I mean, to, uh, to talk on the, on the podcast about uh, scams against seniors, some experiences he had helping folks with that. So look for that coming up here in the near future. So for this uh, particular episode, we're going to talk a couple things. Um, I am somehow becoming the town crier on TikTok. Uh, I'm getting a lot of uh, people calling me to ask my opinion on TikTok. And, and the reason here's, so let me talk about the reason why I have for lack of a better way to say it, I'll bug up my ass about TikTok. So TikTok is owned by a Chinese company called ByteDance. If you've heard me talk about this at any point in the past, you already know kind of some of this stuff. The, the issue for me is that honestly, we cannot trust China when it comes to technology and securing our data and not, not abusing the data that apps like TikTok capture when you use them or when your family members use them. So I'm going to play a clip here real quick from Fox 5 DC. They asked me to come on and talk about TikTok, and this will kind of highlight a couple things. And then after I play this, I will come back and, and discuss it a little more. Um, I had I, I was fortunate, Dr. Chase Cunningham, um, uh, like to, I call him a friend of mine. I've met him uh, through LinkedIn. He was on the podcast a couple of times. He had me on his podcast. It was a great discussion. Again, we talked about TikTok and some other stuff. Um, but I'm getting a lot more press on this kind of stuff. I, I did a TV hit with an Austin's channel yesterday, but let me play this one from Fox five DC, uh, has to do with TikTok. I did some, re I did a lot of research for this one. And so there's some interesting information I think you may find valuable. National Technology Day, we are taking a closer look at the potential dangers of TikTok. Those risks can be particularly high for children. Joining us now for more insight and a look at the alternatives is retired FBI agent and podcast host Darren Mott. Darren, uh, we talked a couple of weeks ago, I believe, and you had mentioned uh, we were talking about technology and you mentioned stay away from TikTok. I said we got to talk about this further. So I'm glad you're joining us this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me. So let's start. There's a lot to cover. I want to start with your first point. And it's even before you start posting anything on TikTok, it's the TikTok user agreement. Right. When you So for every app, when you download an app onto your phone or your iPad, you are agreeing to a set of uh, user acceptance that the app will be allowed to use on your phone. So for TikTok, they have a ton of these 
requirements that say that allows them to monitor your screen allows to know what kind of apps you have allows it to monitor where you're located allows it to monitor what your uh, clipboard has on it so when you copy your password and your username from a user password manager oh. onto a login device it has the capability to collect that as well and and uh, tiktok is is the one app that has uses multiple third-party trackers more than any other social media app that honestly we don't know what those trackers track on your phone and these trackers can run in the background of your phone even when you're not using TikTok. And then this next point here a lot has been said about TikTok being a China-based company it's owned by ByteDance but there's some legitimacy to those concerns according to you what do we know about TikTok and the Chinese government? Sure. So, so in my 20 years in the FBI, I worked both cyber and counterintelligence. One of the first agents to kind of do those two things together. And China collects a lot of data on U.S. citizens from from a national intelligence perspective. So, let's say you're a 15 year old, 16 year old on TikTok now, and you're doing your your TikTok dances and all that kind of stuff. All of this information that TikTok collects, it's 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 um, mother company ByteDance, ha is in China. And due to a 2017 law, they are required, if the Chinese government asks for data from them, they have to give it to the Chinese government. So think about 10, 15 years from now, if you're you know, now in your 30s and you're working for the U.S. government, the, the mm. Chinese government now has facial recognition information on you. So let's say you're trying to work covertly for the State Department or for the intelligence services. Yeah. Uh, they know who you are. So that's certainly a big problem. And if you think about facial recognition, how good it is now. How good is it going to right. be in 10 years? Now, some people might counter that and say, well, Facebook, Google, other companies and apps have a ton of my information. So what's the difference? Absolutely. That is the thing I get all the time. I tried to explain this to my family at Thanksgiving to deaf ears. And I get I get that. <laughs> all of this is about a risk. You know, it's there's a lot of social media apps that do the same thing. Google, YouTube, we, with the Twitter files, we've seen the, the instances there. But it all comes down to really risk. The difference between those U.S.-based companies is the government just can't go and say, give me your information. And the, the, the company can just give it over. Now, obviously, they can with a court order. Mm -hmm. But if they misuse your personal information, there are civil remedies that you have. You could sue them because they misuse your, your personal data. You're not suing anybody in China when they when they misuse your personal data that they've collected through this TikTok app, which has a billion monthly active users. All right, we have about a minute left, but I want to cover two important points. The first one, sure. this is pretty stunning. China, in, in a sense, China res restricts the use of TikTok among its own citizens, which is pretty telling. Right. If you're if kids can only use it for like 40 minutes a day and they can only use it during, during certain hours of the day. So they recognize the potential risk and issues with it. So they don't allow their own citizens to use it. Yeah. And then the last uh, point, alternatives. Yeah, sure. So, so the, there's just uh, common alternatives to doing these these video posts. There's Reels is a big one, owned by Facebook and Instagram. You see those all the time. YouTube Shorts, uh, Triller, Clash. These are all U.S.-based entities. Still going to have trackers. Still going to be risk associated with that, but much less risk than giving all of your data to the Chinese government. All right, uh, we covered a lot of ground. I know that's a lot of process, lots of process for folks. But you have a podcast. Where can folks listen to that? Sure. Any of your podcast providers, there's the Cyber Guy podcast, Cyber spelled C-Y-B-U-R, and I have an educational one called the Get Cyber Smart podcast. Okay. Glad, glad we followed up on this. Hopefully parents uh, will also do their due diligence and make sure they're well informed. Retired FBI agent and podcast host Darren Mott, thanks for joining well, I gotta us. I got to say, when I listen to myself and I watch myself do these videos, I, I wish I could answer the questions a little more clearly. I have, I, I do a bunch of different research on these topics to give the reporters. So everything, like all the questions she's asking me are, are questions based on data I 
gave, I created and gave to them. Um, but you know what? I'll get better as I go along. So, uh, yeah. And again, like I said, yesterday, I talked to a radio, a TV station out of Austin, Texas, that, um, the, because the, uh, university of Texas at Austin is made it impossible or basically blocked TikTok from their campus Wi-Fi. So if you're a, a, a student at UT, UT Austin, you cannot access TikTok if you're on the campus Wi-Fi. And that's a great, great thing that they're doing. Texas A&M now also doing it. Auburn has done it. A bunch of colleges are starting to restrict the use of TikTok on their own networks. And that is a genius plan simply because China is known to collect data from academic research. They want to steal that information and, and use it for their own. So limiting the risk from a Chinese based app that can track all sorts of information on users and things like that could theoretically turn on the microphone on a phone could theoretically take pictures. I mean, there's a lot of different theories on things TikTok can do, but it's better to be safe than sorry and just not allow it where it's near anything that is dangerous. So like I said, I'm like the town crier on LinkedIn for TikTok, but I think it's an important topic that people need to pay more attention. I think it's starting to gain some traction, obviously, with the um, government omnibus bill that was signed in December that eliminates or makes it uh, prohibits TikTok from federal devices. 30 states have eliminated it or made it or forbidden the use of it on their state devices. So um, a good move in the right direction. I will say, I mean, let's be honest, if you are simply an influence, social influencer using TikTok to talk about restaurants or talk about makeup or talk about whatever. I mean, honestly, my daughter does crochet. If she wanted to use TikTok to show her crochet animals, her risk is pretty minimal. But you never know where you're going to be in 10 years where those things can come back and haunt you if you are working in an area where having the Chinese not know who you are is a better route. So just think about those things are all alternatives that do the same, same kind of stuff. So that's my TikTok rant for this week. Hopefully next week I will not have a TikTok rant, but you never know. Certainly I'm being asked about TikTok quite a few times and I'm happy to talk about it and the concerns that I have. All right, a couple news articles for you. Um, the one big one, really, uh, is Norton LifeLock being compromised this week. This is uh, from January 15th. That was Sunday, I believe. This is Zach Whitaker reporting on TechCrunch.com. I'll just read a little bit of the article. Thousands of Norton LifeLock customers had their accounts compromised in recent weeks, potentially allowing criminal hackers access to customer password managers, the company revealed in a recent data breach notice. In a notice to customers, Gen Digital, the parent company of Norton LifeLock, said that the likely culprit was a credential stuffing attack where previously exposed or breached credentials are used to break into accounts on different sites and services that share the same passwords rather than a compromise of its systems. That's why two-factor authentication, which Norton LifeLock offers, is recommended as it blocks attackers from accessing someone's account with just their password. So clearly these accounts that were accessed did not have two-factor authentication. You don't need me, if you listen to this podcast, to talk about the value of two-factor or multi-factor authentication. You should have it on everything that you use. This is a perfect example of where, if you have it, your account was not compromised. Now, the entire LifeLock network was not compromised. It was these individual accounts that use credential stuffing. And basically what credential stuffing is, is bad guys are acquire legitimate login credentials, username and password, from previous breaches, and basically just attempt to get in to accounts using those known login credentials. 
So the company also said that the intruders had compromised the accounts as far back as December 1st, close to two weeks before its system detected a large volume of failed logins to customer accounts on December 12th. And that's really kind of how you can, the only way to know about that you're getting hit with a credential stuffing attack is that, you know, ideally, if you are aware that your information was acquired during a data breach, you have changed out or eliminated that particular password login combination from all your other access accounts. And so it makes it hard for the bad guy to get in. So they keep adding just as many as they can to get in and, and the system identified it. Um, one, I saw a stat the other day that since 2017, there have been 555 million legitimate username password combinations available for purchase on the dark web. All of these, this information came through other data breaches uh, from other other accounts. And if you go all the way back to 2015, I'm going to have my date wrong, but I think that was the last big Yahoo data breach where 3 billion legitimate username and passwords were compromised. Certainly there's a lot of passwords out there bad guys can use to do this kind of credential stuff. And this is not the last time we will see this, but it goes back to my, my whole thing when I talk about passwords. So I just became content production manager for a venture capitalism firm called TCIG. Um, their website is tcig.tech. Um, and so I wrote an article for them uh, about passwords and it's important to just kind of revisit this real quick that from a password perspective, there are people that argue that password managers aren't good. I argue that if you use them right there, have is they, they limit your risk and they only increase your risk if you do not utilize them correctly. So as long as you have a strong password to get into your password manager and you use multi-factor authentication to access it, um, then essentially those passwords are fairly safe. And so you use password managers to create long, complex passwords. If you do not have long, complex passwords, it's very possible that those, you know, if you're only using eight characters, it's very possible that that, that password can be cracked with current technology. If it's 13 characters or more, it's unlikely to be cracked. So think about your passwords. How long are they? Are they 13 characters or more? I mean, there is an argument that the the type of password, if it's is different symbols and numbers versus a phrase, which one's more, which one's safer from a technical theft perspective um they're, they're they're identical in other words if 13 characters regardless of that 13 characters it's going to take the same length of time to crack it with technology the problem you get into is if you use the same one over and over again and it ends up in a data breach and it ends up on a password list and people have access to it so so um again it's you know if you use a password manager you can have them set up your password and increase the complexity of that password through that password manager so this norton lifelock case shows the importance of having good quality passwords and obviously turning on multi-factor authentication. So that started the the hack news for the week. Uh, this is from today, August or January 18th. This is from cybernews.com. Um, the author is, I just accidentally went, I accidentally um, hit a button and lost the article I was looking at. Here we go. Sorry, uh, Vilas Petkowskis, senior journalist. Uh, and basically the title is pro-Russian hackers say they breached Samsung. So Genesis Day, a pro-Russian hacktivist group, claims to have breached Samsung's internal servers over South Korea's cooperation with NATO. So what this article shows is that, is that obviously nation state actors are using their capabilities. Now, so this is a pro-Russian hacktivist group, which means they are Russian hackers. And chances are they are in coordination with the government in some way, shape, or form. And because South Korea is a NATO ally in some way, shape, or form, then they decide, hey, let's go ahead and attack 
Samsung and see if we get in. So these threat, threat actors claim they found their way into Samsung's internal FTP service used by Samsung Group in South Korea. Um, and it says sample data investigated by the cyber news research team allegedly includes Samsung's corporate manuals for logging in, a password, an employee password, several education videos. However, the data sample doesn't strike as containing sensitive data. They reached out for Samsung, didn't get a comment. The attackers claim they have 2.4 gigabytes of stolen data from Samsung. So what does really this mean? Well, this means that as you know, companies have to look at the geopolitical status of the country that they're in. So obviously, if you're a U.S.-based country, you have to worry about these same pro-Russian actors. Needless to say, because of the um, things going on in, in Ukraine, here's a, here's a line from the article. Well, the motivation of pro-Russian threat actors is likely to advance the Kremlin's interest in Ukraine. The rationale behind the attack seems murky. I would I, I would argue that it, if South Korea is pro-Ukraine, then these pro-Russian threat actors are looking to damage country companies within. Korea, South Korea. So U.S.-based companies have to worry about this as well. So you have to look at how do you protect yourself from these nation-state actors. Nation-state actors have unlimited resources, a lot of skill, a lot of time on their hands. And if they target you, they will find a way in simply because there's always a way into almost any network. Unless that network is not connected to the Internet, then it makes it a little more difficult. Not impossible because you can send humans to do it, but it's certainly a little more complicated. But Show me, a, show me a company that does not have an internet presence or some kind of access to the internet from their corporate network. They are at risk. So um, this shows that pro-Russian activist groups are targeting countries, comp- sorry, say, 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 say that, companies within countries that are supporting Ukraine in the Ukraine-Russian fight. So if you are a U.S.-based company, make sure you are looking at ways to identify, monitor your network for suspicious activity coming from potential Russian actors overseas. Last thing I want to talk about is this 2023, obviously, now that we're now in 2023, a lot of people will use the beginning of the year to do predictions for what they think is going to be the big things in cyber for 2023. And you can go Google search that and find tons of different articles on that. In my opinion, I think the big thing is probably going to be artificial intelligence, as indicated by the debut of chat GPT. GPT stands for Generative Pre-Trained Transformer. It's a chatbot launched by OpenAI in November 2022. And what it does, it's artificial intelligence. And basically, you ask it questions, it'll do things for you. So if you wanted to go in and say, write me a 500-page, 500-word essay on Shakespeare, it will write you one, and it's pretty good. Um, So you're going to see a move for more of these types of companies with more of these types of services. So chat GPT right now is free. Anybody can go on and use it. The problem I have obviously is bandwidth and a lot of people using it, but following the release of this application on the free application on the internet, the company OpenAI was reportedly valued at $29 billion. How they come up with that value, I would love to know, but that's kind of the claim. So if you don't think other country, other companies are not looking to hop on that gravy train, you better believe that there are going to be competitors to chat GPT. And it's going to be interesting to watch in 2023 as the artificial intelligence war game really starts to take off. Now it's been something that people have talked about for years, but it hasn't really been completely utilized to the fullest extent. I've been talking about artificial intelligence since 2017, 2018. I saw 
uh, I was at a conference and a guy showed Google's assistant um, and it was an AI product by Google. And what it could do is this, you could tell it, Hey, make me a, a hair appointment uh, for three o'clock on Tuesday. And this particular Google assistant will call that would call the um, hairdressing hairdresser and make the appointment. It was completely AI, but I mean, it really wasn't utilized much other than explaining what it was. But now with this chat GPT, you see a lot of people using it. If you're a teacher, you got to worry about your kids going there and saying, okay, write me a 300. If you, if you assign a history lesson saying, write a, write a two page paper on the revolutionary war. I can go to chat GPT right now. I'm going to do actually, you know, while we're sitting here, I'm going to do that right now. I'm going to go to chat GPT. I'm actually going to stop right now and I'm, I will cut out this, but so there'll be a little pause, but you won't see it because I will edit it out because that's how much I care about the quality of this podcast. All right. So I'm on the chat GPT site. It's at chat.openai.com. It's very easy to get an account and I'm going to say, write a 500 word essay about the revolutionary war from the British perspective. I'm typing this in. Sorry, as I do this perspective. So let's, and it will very quickly generate uh, this particular response for me. So here we go. I'm not going to read all 500 words, but, uh, so it says, the American Revolutionary War, also known as the U.S. War of Independence, was a conflict between Great Britain and 13 of its North American colonies, which had declared themselves the independent United States of America. From the British perspective, the war was fought to maintain control over the colonies and to uphold the authority of the British government. At the start of the war, the British government had a significant advantage over the colonies in terms of military strength and resources. The British army was well-trained and well-equipped, and the Navy controlled the seas. The colonies, on the other hand, had a poorly trained and poorly equipped militia. Despite this advantage, the British faced several challenges in their effort to defeat the colonies. One major challenge was the terrain of North America, which made it difficult for the British to move troops and supplies. Additionally, the colonies had the support of many Native American tribes, which provided them with valuable intelligence and assistance. Another major challenge for the British was the lack of support from the colonists themselves. Many colonists were sympathetic to the patriotic or patriot cause, and many others were neutral, refusing to take side in the conflict. This made it difficult for the British to gain the support of the population and made it easier for the colonies to obtain supplies and support. And it goes on, it continues on. So there's a couple more other paragraphs. I'm going to read you the conclusion real quick. In conclusion, the American Revolutionary War was a complex and challenging conflict for Great Britain. Despite early successes, the British government faced numerous challenges, including the lack of support from the colonies and internal disagreements which ultimately led to their defeat and the recognition of the independence of the United States. The war serves as a reminder of the importance of effective colonial administration and the need to respect the rights and wishes of colonial subjects. That, I'll be honest, that is a great essay. I, who would not give that an A? There is nothing wrong with that essay. There's other parts to it I didn't even read. And that is just, so this artificial intelligence, I asked for it, that's what it wrote. It took about a minute. So you are going, we, I guarantee, we are going to see an increase in the use of AI if you're a teacher, your kids are going to be writing essay, going to be going here and asking them to generate essays for them. Uh, and so you're you, good luck. If you are a teacher, it's going to be crazy to watch. Shoot. I should probably use this for, for um, my LinkedIn post, quite frankly, but it's funny because I, I did go in, I was going to say, okay, uh, explain to me the lifelock Norton breach of 2023. And one of the response it got back is I'm only programmed up to 2021. So anything that happened post 2021, it doesn't have information for, so it can't really talk to that. 
My guess is it's just a matter of time before they do. Now, is it perfect? Certainly it's not, but it's better than anything that we've seen up to this point. So we are now going to see the rise of artificial intelligence and the capabilities within. I don't know if we know the extent to how awesome they're going to be. I mean, if you're a, even a news reporter, well, let me do this. I'm going I'm to do a quick thing about what are the risks from TikTok? Why not? All right, so let's see what it says for what are the risks from TikTok. TikTok is a popular social media platform that allows users to create and share short videos. While it can be fun and entertaining way to connect with others, there are several risks associated with the use of the app. One of the main risks of TikTok is the potential for cyberbullying. Users can leave comments on videos, and some may use this feature to bully or harass others. Additionally, the anonymity of the internet can make it easier for bullies to target victims without fear of consequence. Another risk is the exposure of inappropriate content. So it talks about that a little bit. Then it says, also poses a risk to privacy. The app collects data on users, including their location, browsing history, search queries. This data can be used to target users with ads and can also be shared with third party, okay, so on. So now it does say in conclusion, in summary, TikTok has the potential to be a fun and engaging social media platform, but also poses risks such as cyberbullying, exposure to inappropriate content, privacy concerns, risk for children. Users should be aware of these risks and take appropriate precautions to protect themselves. Okay, so on and so forth. So that's, I mean, it's fascinating that, that there's that nothing in this particular article I would say is incorrect. Um, it doesn't go very deep, frankly, but I didn't ask it to go deep. I bet if I asked it to go real deep, it would. Now, we're already starting to see hackers using ChatGPT to create code that they can use to try to compromise networks. So with every good technology, there are bad applications that come with it. So we're going to see that first probably is the use of artificial intelligence, specifically chat GPT, which we're already seeing by bad guys to do what they do. And obviously law enforcement and everything else will take a while to cut to, to, to check up to it. It will be interesting to see politically where this stands and when the government takes a concern for it, my guess is <laughs> here's a fear when the 2024 election comes, these, this artificial intelligence is going to be used to create stuff that is part of disinformation and all that stuff. And then it's and then the crap's really going to hit the fan. So it'll be interesting to see how all that comes to be, but we're not there yet. But my prediction, AI is going to be the cyber news story for 2023. If you want to tell me I'm wrong or you have other suggestions, you have suggestions for content down in the future. Just call me or email me, Darren at the cyber guy dot com. You can catch me on the Dr. Zero Trust podcast last week with Dr. Chase Cunningham. We talk a little bit about TikTok. We talk a little bit about how social media is influencing the legal system. In other words, um, if you are a uh, subject of a crime or you're you're the you are arrested for a crime, is it possible to get a fair trial now in the day of social media? Because who doesn't know about those crimes, especially if they're high profile crimes. There's a big one now that's happening right now where a guy killed his wife. And I'll be honest, I haven't paid much attention to it, but there's all sorts of news articles about it. How he, he Google, Google search, how to chop up a body, how to dispose of a body. I mean, he's got, he's got a lot of evidence that goes against him. Um, so it seems like now with social media that you have to prove your innocence beyond a reasonable doubt rather than um, the, the prosecution proving guilt beyond a reasonable doubt, but that's a topic for another day. I greatly appreciate you taking the time to listen to my rambling here as we went through another episode of the cyber guy podcast. You know, as you go through your week, know that knowledge is protection. 
if we understand the threats targeting us, we can assess our risk and proceed wisely online. Listen to this podcast, download this podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. If you like what you hear, please leave a review, um, rank it a couple stars. That certainly helps. If you don't like it, then forget I even said that. Uh, otherwise, again, if you have thoughts or comments, email me. I love getting emails. I will respond to you if you do email me. You can also follow me on LinkedIn, linkedin.com slash IN slash Darren Mott, D-A-R-R-E-N-M-O-T-T. Check out the Get Cyber Smart podcast on how to protect your seniors. Uh, you can go back and listen to how to protect kids as well. There was a series on that. I appreciate your time. Have a good week. We will talk again soon.